at 8.15, Hong Kong pro-democracy protesters and riot police clashed again over the weekend with tensions escalating for the past 16 weeks or so. But the movements also led to another battleground forming via the internet and technology. For further discussion, Masha Borak, who covers China's technology for Abacus News and South China Morning, joins us. Thank you for taking the time. Hello, Alex. What's the latest with these protests, with some reports suggesting that Hong Kong is turning into a police state and authorities announcing it would be responding with live ammunition to anyone who uses Molotov cocktails against them? Yeah, so we've seen over the weekend uh, that uh, uh, violence has escalated and police has actually said that anyone who uses Molotov cocktails uh, are in danger, actually, of uh, getting fired on with live ammunition. But the, the protest has been going on for weeks now, and luckily there hasn't been any uh, incidents where police has actually fired live ammunition. So um, in, in recent weeks, uh, I would say that the police has gotten increasingly t- uh, vocal about uh, protecting themselves, uh, as but at the same time, uh, the protesters on their side have uh, been more and more uh, violent, uh, throwing petrol bombs, uh, fighting police officers on the streets. So, uh, as we can see, like it's it's a very tense situation right now. How would you say the protests have affected the general public's awareness of security in the past few months? Yeah, I would say it changed a lot. Um, I mean, of course, uh, uh, even before the protest, there has been increasing awareness about uh, digital security in the city. Uh, but right now, uh, it, it's a big, uh, it, it's a it's a big uh, problem for the protesters. So most of them. Uh, do not want to go uh, uh, in public with their face shown, uh, they wear masks, uh, they do not want to share their names, uh, they use secure apps like uh, Telegram, which is a messaging app uh, uh, which can keep them anonymous, and uh, they've been increasingly downloading different uh, apps from app stores uh, which can hide their identity and uh, uh, so, so in order not to show, uh, not to leave a digital trace, so to be said. Yeah, I mean, there were these concerns about smart lampposts. How, how threatening are they, really? Well, I mean, it's difficult to say. Any any smart lamppost with a camera can actually, um, you know, any uh, any camera can be used to track you down. Basically, but these cameras are actually meant to track down traffic. So they have like a special software that catches uh, license plates from cars, you know, in order to uh, measure the amount of traffic that's going through the city and uh, make some suggestions into how to regulate it. So there has been concerns about these uh, smart lampposts, of course, because uh, uh, because of the news in China. Uh, and because of the increasing amount of uh, 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 cameras that have been installed in, in cities like Shanghai or Beijing. Um, so I actually spoke to some of the uh, people that 
kind of initiated this concern uh, about the, these lampposts. And um, uh, after this incident happened, after they actually uh, damaged these smart lampposts, um, uh, uh, the local government reached out to them and gave them some, uh, you know, they gave them documents to prove actually that these smart lampposts are not being used uh, uh, again, you know, to invade their privacy. So, like, some of these concerns have been actually, uh, how would I say it, called down. But the problem is that uh, a lot of people don't, you know, it's a very tense situation now, and a lot of people don't trust uh, the Hong Kong government. So any kind of uh, uh, any kind of move that uh, sort of uh, can be perceived to invade uh, the privacy of Hong Kong citizens is met with suspicion. The, the flip side, this idea of taking advantage of technology like Bluetooth, like smartphone messenger services to avoid surveillance uh, and cope with the problem of slower internet speeds in places with large crowds. How are protesters harnessing the power of tech? So it's, 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 it's happening in different ways. So the entire protest actually is being organized on platforms uh, local forums over uh, Telegram groups. So we're seeing uh, something pretty unique happening. There's no, uh, how would I say, there's no leader in this movement. All the leaders, uh, for example, uh, in the 2014 Umbrella Movement, uh, they have like kind of stood aside. They're still there. They're still supporting the, the protest. But they, they are not uh, the main actors here. The main actors are these anonymous people that are coming out. And, yeah, you know, uh, people have been trying out different uh, tools to keep them safe. Uh, we've heard news about uh, travelers going to over the border in Shenzhen, which is only like an hour from central Hong Kong, have been stopped and their, and their phones have been checked for pictures uh, showing the protest in Hong Kong. And, uh, yeah, people have been uh, trying to protect their phones, like uh, downloading apps to uh, hide their pictures and hide their private information on their mobile phones uh, and trying different tools. I mean, like, uh, even when just inviting people to protest has been like, you know, they've been resorting to very uh, creative ways to do it, like uh, airdropping through uh, Apple's iPhone uh, pictures or videos. Uh, by the way, uh, airdropping is uh, iPhone's uh, tool for transferring uh, files. Yeah, and they're managing to then circumvent the need for regular internet connections. Uh, yeah, they are trying that. Uh, actually, I tested an app called Bridgeify uh, during the protest. Uh, it works on Bluetooth. So, theoretically, you don't need uh, internet connection to talk to people. Uh, but, unfortunately, it wasn't that amazing. I have to say that I, I couldn't really reach to a lot, a lot of people because a lot of people weren't using it. But, yeah. Uh, it's kind of an alternative tool in case the internet uh, shuts down, which 
uh, happens actually very often during the mass protest. It's just like um, Hong Kong's network, internet network, is not as good as uh, I don't, some other places. And when there's a mass of people, like more than, I don't know, a couple of thousands, the internet starts to slow, slow down. So people have been trying other means to connect. It's not just because of the, the process. It's, it's also because they're worried that, um, that the, the local government is going to vote in a law uh, that, uh, that, that gives uh, the city uh, more authority. Uh, it, it's a it's a law for urgent situations, and it gives them the authority to actually uh, shut down the internet. So that that's a possibility now. It it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but uh, you know, people are just preparing just in case it happens. Regarding the the background to this, is it something that you see developing even further, considering this has evolved from the previous umbrella protest, this use of technology and various apps? Yeah, I definitely don't see uh, the protest moving dying down any time soon. And, uh, um, yeah, I think that uh, the way technology is being used now to organize it, it's something kind of new now, um, something we haven't seen before in other movements uh, like the Umbrella Movement or even the Arab Spring uh, where Facebook was being used. But there's also a downside. There's a lot of rumors uh, circulating the web, and uh, a lot of people are getting misinformed on both sides of the conflict, uh, both, both on the protester side and the ones that support the police. So um, we're seeing this problem where more fake news is being broadcasted, and it's hard to fight that. It's hard to uh, kind of get the right information. And, and what about precedents in which Chinese authorities have used technology? For example, in, in cases like Xinjiang, is there any kind of action being taken against the schemes on a local or global level? Well, there has been a large-scale, uh, I would say, uh, misinformation campaign coming from, uh, well, researchers say that it's coming from China. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint where exactly. It's been on Twitter, and it's been on Facebook. So, But it, there's been a large number of trolls uh, in, that has been discovered by Twitter, and Twitter has decided to shut down uh, almost a thousand of them. Um, they have also decided not to accept uh, a Chinese state media sponsored ads. And that this was followed by a YouTube that also decided that uh, it will put up a little uh, note when they have uh, sponsored content from uh, the Chinese state media. Uh, and yeah, I've seen a, a lot of these ads actually, and a lot of them are kind of misleading. Uh, a lot of them uh, uh, play on the nationalist note. You know, uh, a lot of them are very patriotic. Uh, uh, very, uh, uh, they're there to incite emotions, and yeah, a lot of them are actually fake too. 
Yeah, it's, it's amazing. The world landscape for influencer opinion, even at government level, perhaps especially at government level, is uh, something we do have to keep an eye on. Masha Borak, tech reporter for Abacus News in South China Morning. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.